Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Amen. Amen. Good to see you today. God bless you in Jesus' name. I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 as we conclude the month of January here this Sunday. 1 Samuel 17 beginning in verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth Stones. Someone say smooth stones. I want you to be smooth. From the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And then verse 26 of the same chapter, 1 Samuel 17. And David said... What have I done now? Is there not a cause? I want to preach a message today titled, Slingshots and a Cause. Will you say that with me? Slingshots and a Cause. Let me pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Your kingdom is here. Your authority is here. And it's your good pleasure to save and deliver. It's your good pleasure to encounter your creation, and your people. So we ask, ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you would come. Come like a fire. Come like a wind. Come in the way that you need to come to encounter people that are open. People that need to know that you know, that you see, that you care. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, to have your best year yet, you're going to have to grow spiritually in Christ. When you think about how do I frame 2024 and how would it ever be my best year, for it to be your best year in Christ, you're going to need to grow spiritually. You're going to need to spiritually mature. When it comes to spiritual maturity, sometimes people say, why is it spiritual maturity? What's the emphasis on the spiritual aspect? Well, remember what Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.23? Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Yes, we're spirit, soul, and body, but maturing into the image of Christ is a spiritual maturity where the soul, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, 
your desires, your affections, and your body are servants and instruments of your spirit and God's desires working in and through your spirit. It's not that we're no longer emotional people or aware of our thoughts or we're not Gnostics by any means that deny the reality that we have flesh and humanity, but it's all of those aspects of our being are utilized and serve the spiritual qualities that God has given us through the new birth, through union with Jesus Christ, through communion. Someone say union and communion. Yes, it's good to hear my brother's voice over there today. Missed hearing that. Good to hear it. You know, the Old Testament was given as types and admonitions for us now in the new covenant in Christ. So when you think about the text that I read of David and Goliath and the story in 1 Samuel 17, we have to be mindful that God gave those events for you and I who live in the new covenant to teach us a spiritual reality and substance that we have in the new covenant and in Christ. And so, if you're not familiar, we're going to look through the story. I'm going to highlight some prophetic things today from this story. If you don't understand that, stay around long enough. We would be honored to equip you. But Paul the Apostle says that there's five main ways to minister to the people of God. You can minister by knowledge, you can minister by revelation, you can minister by prophecy. And today I want to minister by prophecy. People that don't understand it oftentimes have long tongues and big mouths. They actually fill churches in our land, but they hold back the kingdom of God through the lack of understanding, of not being slow to speak and quick to listen and quick to learn. Prophetic ministry is when the Spirit of God takes something that you read in the natural, but He applies it to what He wants to do spiritually in a context, in a people, in a place. It's a substance beyond just the natural reading of the text. This was common and understood throughout church history of our church fathers. But in 1 Samuel 17 and 4 it says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, just a tad bit taller than myself. Maybe times two. <laughs> it was about nine foot. What's interesting is the Hebrew word for champion means a man of the space between armies. Champion means the man of the space between two sides, between two options, between two habits, the space between two characteristics. The champion is the man of the space. God, our Creator, looks to you and I, and He's going to ask us a question today to the text. Is Who's going to be the man of the space? What champion's going to take the space that God's given you and I to make a choice in? In 1 Samuel 17, 13, it says that Jesse had eight sons. 
I like Jesse, but I'm glad I'm not like him in that way. That's a lot of children. But the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle. You had the nation of Israel on one ridge, one mountain, and you had the Philistine army on another ridge, another mountain. And there was a valley, there was space in between. And who would be the champion? Who would be the man of the space? And so there they're encamped. And Saul is the king at the time. And Jesse's three oldest sons serve in Saul's army. And it says in 1 Samuel 17, 13, the names of the three oldest. The names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and then the third, Shammah. And then we find out in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 17, David was the youngest. But the three oldest followed Saul. It's interesting because the firstborn's name, Eliab, means God is Father. The secondborn, Abinadab, means my father is willing. The third son, Shammah, means astonishment. What's interesting is God uses Shammah later to reveal an aspect of who he is. We know him as Jehovah Shammah. And Ezekiel gets a vision from God. And he sees a city. And he sees a temple. And he, see a, he sees a land flourishing again. But it was astonishing. You know why? Because the people of God, when the vision came, was in captivity. The land was in ruin. The temple was gone. And God spoke to Ezekiel the prophet in Ezekiel 48, 35. And he said, the name of the city that I'm showing you, the prophetic vision shall be, the Lord is there. He's there. There in 1 Samuel 17 and 1, it says that the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. And it says that they were in Ephes de Man. That means the edge of the blood. Here's a context that's on edge. Here's a situation on edge of bloodshed about to happen. And David, of course, was the youngest. And it said the three oldest followed Saul. 1 Samuel 17, 18, it says that Goliath, the man of the Philistines, he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Just follow with me. Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. For 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath would go and challenge the army of Israel. The Bible says for 40 days and 40 nights, the army of Israel, including David's oldest brothers, did nothing but they feared. One of the things we're going to see today is that the reason they feared is because they were servants of Saul. 
See, the text there in verse 14 says, the three oldest followed Saul. That became a problem. Because Saul didn't do anything about Goliath either. But David. Someone say, but David. In 1 Samuel 16 and 13, we find out what God's doing in the youngest son's life of the eight brothers. God sends the prophet to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king. And one by one, the oldest sons of Jesse pass before the prophet. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. The prophet says, do you have any others? After seven sons of Jesse pass before the prophet. He says, yes, my youngest is out in the field keeping the flock. He said, well, go call him. He comes in and 1 Samuel 16, 13, Samuel hears from God, says, that's the one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. So here is David. He's been anointed. We find out later that as he's anointed, but his context hasn't changed. He's still keeping sheep. But a bear comes, kills the bear, defends the father's sheep. A lion comes, he kills the lion, defends the sheep. In due time, David's father, Jesse, sends David to the battle to check on the three oldest that are in Saul's army and following Saul. So David shows up bringing bread and cheese to the brothers. And 1 Samuel 17, 23, here's where we pick it up. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. This has been the pattern for 40 days. Goliath's not saying anything new. It's the same words, it's the same challenge, it's the same confrontation. But the nation of Israel and Saul the king and those following him, they're locked into the same pattern. They're doing nothing. They're fearful. They're terrorized. They're not mobilized. And they're dreadfully afraid. Verse 25, so the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man, David, who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause 
Then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent him. And then verse 16 says, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. I want to remind some of us today, the longer you let fear stop you, the more envious you become of those who choose not to be stopped. When it comes to following Jesus Christ, when it comes to maturing in Christ, when it comes to allowing the Spirit of God to deal with the brokenness we all have and the issues we all have, that the longer you let the enemy and fear stop you, you become more vulnerable and envious of those who choose not to be stopped, those that choose to face the wall, those that choose to face their dysfunction, those that choose to to face the rough places of their character, those that choose to face the dysfunctions of their upbringing, those that don't let fear stop them. When we let fear stop us, we get more vulnerable to jealousy, to coming up, with wrong assumptions about them. You'll find consistently through Scripture that one man or woman in person following God that will not let fear of man or fear of the enemy keep them, but will recognize that they are anointed as the people of God, you'll find time and time again them being accused. You'll find time and time again that they'll try to to interpret the boldness on their life as arrogance and confidence. It's not arrogance and confidence if the confidence is that God is with me and God is for me and God has anointed us and God is helping us. That's not pride, that's humility. And that's what David was modeling. That's what David was doing. But the brothers begin to accuse. See, listen, the other thing you see here is disadvantages become advantages with God. Listen, in in Israel's culture, being the youngest is not an advantage, it's a disadvantage. The firstborn had an advantage. He got double inheritance. The youngest had a disadvantage because in Israel's culture, the old were well respected and honored. So the younger you were in the context, the the less cultural respect and honor you had. That's why Jesse, in the moment when the prophet came, he didn't even think about calling the youngest. You heard Pastor Craig mention about that, you know, being a shepherd was despised by that culture. It's the low end of the job. They're not even thinking of David. Some of you, that's been your experience. You have disadvantages, but you've allowed the enemy and culture to get you to see your disadvantages as if it had to define your life. And Scripture says we serve a God that gets attracted to disadvantages. We have a God that draws near when people will acknowledge their disadvantages. Why? Because he can get the glory. This is why, have you ever wondered, the widow gets special favor with God. Why? Because she's disadvantaged. And God's got promises 
for widows that he don't have for me. Because God has special favor to those that are disadvantaged. Why do you think there's special promises to the fatherless? That's why you got to be careful when you look at some people's life and you say, well, they did it and it didn't kill them. They did it and got away with it. So I'm going to do those sins and I'll get away with it. Not necessarily, sir. The reason I got away with some things that were ugly and hurtful and bad to society is because God saw me as a fatherless one. And God's got some special advantage and some special protection and some special help to the disadvantaged. Did you know the weak get special strength? The ones who acknowledge that they're weak, they get the strength of God. They get the help of God. What we learn in the story is that with God, because He's God, disadvantages can become advantages with God. You got a stuttering problem and you think that's going to be a disadvantage to preach the gospel for people to listen? Acknowledge your disadvantage and watch God put His advantage and anointing on that thing and get glory out of your life. You got a learning problem and struggle with different things? Acknowledge the disadvantage and watch God put His anointing on your life and get glory out of your life. You say, I didn't have a mother growing up and now I'm a mother and I feel lost in raising my kids? Acknowledge your disadvantage and watch God put His anointing and His advantage to help you. Oh, God's got advantage for all of us when we acknowledge where we're weak. Oh, praise God. In 1 Samuel 16, 17, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his height of his stature regarding David because, and about the other brothers. He says, Because I refuse those seven. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, natural man looks at natural disadvantages. But God sees your heart. And if you have a heart to be used of God, despite those advantages, God can turn the disadvantage to an advantage. David was assigned to take care of the sheep, so he wasn't around the army those 40 days that Goliath, morning and night, terrorized them and intimidated them. So David, listen, Though he's the youngest, a disadvantage, it was used as an advantage because he didn't get locked into the pattern that Saul and the other soldiers did. Where morning and evening, they're locked into fear. They feel helpless. David, his disadvantage of keeping the sheep became an advantage because he's just out there enjoying the nature of God and praising God, and that disadvantage became an advantage. And so David then says, what have I done now when his brothers get mad at him? Is there not a cause? It's interesting is when you read through Goliath's words and David's words, Goliath just wanted a fight, but David had a cause. And I have found it all the years being in the church and being around uh, people that go to church, but also, of course, unbelievers. There are people that just want to fight. Because they ain't got a cause. There's people that just want to take up time arguing because they ain't got a purpose. There's people that want to create envy and strife 
and try to hold others back because they don't have a cause. Goliath didn't have a cause. He just desired to fight. That's why when you read it, he just says, Hey, come fight me, little man David, and I'll give your flesh, I'll give your body, your carcass to the birds. All uh, Goliath wanted was a fight. No one would fight with him. Oh, is there never a time now with social media? you got to understand, that's all people have is a desire to fight. They ain't got a cause. I'm telling you, there's a call so big that God has for you in the kingdom, there's not enough time to spend the amount of time you're spending on social media and trying to fight and get upset. There is a cause in His kingdom. David had a cause. And that's why David said in verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you, Goliath, into my hand. And I will strike you, and I'm going to take your head from you. You know why he's going to take the head? Because what was the tool for 40 days and 40 nights that the enemy used to paralyze God's people? The mouth of Goliath. Well, guess what? You take off the head, baby. That mouth ain't blabbing anymore. So he said, I'm going to shut the whole thing down. I'm not just going to bust your lip where you start talking a little like this. I'm going to cut the whole head off. You ain't going to talk no more. He said, I'll strike you, I'm going to take your head from you, and this day I will, watch this, give the carcasses, plural, someone say plural, of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Carcasses. Goliath just wanted to fight carcass. David said, there is a cause, carcasses. That our Lord wants every enemy of His people, every enemy of humanity, every enemy against us to be defeated before us. He wants us to walk in His original tent of the garden. He wants us to walk in His victory. He wants us to walk in His grace. He wants us to walk in His favor. He wants us to experience His blessing over every curse of the enemy that's tried to put upon our life and our house and our lineage. Now here's what this means. Oh, we're doing good. We're getting y'all are being good today. We're we're getting far already, and I still got an hour and a half to preach. <laughs> Listen, this don't get mentioned much. You ready? Because Pastor Craig's talked about best year yet, best prayer yet. Gonna have to get prayer in your life. You're gonna have to know God. And grow in knowing God. Well, guess what? For you to have your best year yet and to grow spiritually, sometimes drawing near to God looks like drawing near to Goliath. Sometimes drawing near to God looks like drawing near to Goliath. There is a season, Ecclesiastes 3 said. There is a purpose for every desire. And there comes a season where you've been in the prayer place and you've been in the secret place and you've been fasting and you've been spending time with God. But now what maturing in God and drawing near to God looks like is get up out the prayer closet and get up out the place of fasting and draw near to that Goliath that's trying to hold you back and intimidate you and continue to afflict your family and your children. You say, I'm going to draw near to God by facing the Goliath and his threats and his lies and his voice and the voice of the enemy in my life. Sometimes drawing near to God looks like drawing near to Goliath. In verse 38 it says, So Saul clothed David with his armor. 
So Saul's excited now. The, the rest of the fearful soldiers are excited now. And Saul's like, fine, David, you want to do it? Do it. Here's my armor. I even give you my armor. So the text says here in verse 38, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. And he clothed him with the coat of mail. It's interesting because we know in the New Covenant when Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the nature of Christ and the ways of God, it uses gold, silver, and precious stones. Bronze. Shoes in Scripture represent man. Man's ability, man's ways. And here is Saul giving David bronze representing the ways of man. And David fastens his sword to his armor and he tried to walk. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these. For I've not tested them. So David took them off. Ladies, you should be encouraged here. You didn't know God allows y'all to go and try stuff on, buy it, bring it home, and then take it back a week later. I remember when I worked at Dillard's. What happened? Huh? Well, that's what I'm going to tell them. <laughs> they had these like marks where if you sold so much money per week, you got like, you know, bonuses or different things. And I remember I, I learned the pattern of this one guy. I worked in the men's section. He would come in. First, I didn't know him. He'd come in. And this dude would, like, buy everything. I mean, stuff that was hard to sell. Like, he'd buy those fancy socks and a, even a belt. Like, who, you know, how often do you buy a belt? He'd, he'd come to the counter with, I mean, like, a pile of stuff. And I'd start scanning that stuff. And, you know, the amount keeps going up. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to win the contest. This week looking good. And it's great. But I found out over time, he was one of those. <laughs> You'd see him a week later bringing all that stuff back. So where my numbers looked high, it just came right back down, that guy. So I got to the point I'd see him in, I'd go take a break. So I'm not dealing with that guy, not selling, not selling him anything. So David tries it on. He said, I can't even walk in these things. Too tight, can't move. Too big. He takes them off. And then verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Someone say five smooth stones. From the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch. Hallelujah. Which he had. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near the Philistine. Can I tell you that this is a slingshot church? David said, is there not a cause? And when he moved forward in that cause, he had a slingshot in his hand. He had a word of faith in his mouth. 
He said, I'm going to cut your head off, Goliath. And I'm going to feed all the birds, the rest of you carcasses. For the battle is the Lord's. This is a slingshot church with a cause. A cause bigger than any one of us. A cause of Christ, a cause of the kingdom. A cause bigger than just coming on Sunday. You remember earlier we saw that that word where they were at meant a champion. A man of space between the armies. Can I tell you that you and I have a space in our mouth. And the way the kingdom of God works is who's going to be champion of that space in your mouth. Who's going to be champion of our tongue? Saul and the people and the army allowed Goliath's tongue to silence their tongue and to be imprisoned in fear. David, because of his walk with the Lord, didn't allow the circumstances and the stature of Goliath deter him. Do you know why? Because David was the one anointed. And heard the words when the Lord told the prophet, don't look at the outward. God looks at the heart. And David knew that he might not be much outward, but God had put his anointing on him. And some of you might think about yourself that you might not be much, but in Christ God puts his anointing on you. And David knew, well, if that's what God's done for me, despite my appearance despite the color of my skin, despite the native tongue that I have, then I don't care how big Goliath is. I know his heart is uncircumcised. I know he's not in covenant with my God. I know that his heart is wicked, and therefore I'm not going to allow his appearance deter me. I'm trusting in God. Who will be the person exalted in the space of your mouth? Listen, David had a cause, but today some just have a complaint. David had a cause, but many today just have criticism. And David says as a type for us maturing in Christ to all of us, is there not a cause bigger? Is there not a cause of the place of the champion in our mouth? Where you'll give your tongue to the champion of Christ to edify, to build up, to speak hope to people, to prophesy to your own self, to look in the mirror and look past your disadvantages and look past your stature and look past how you see and say, but God is with me. God is for me. He sent Jesus to redeem me. Who will be exalted in the space between our mouth? You know... I grew up in Louisville, the largest city in Kentucky, but just right outside where a lot of my family now lives is the Kentucky horse farms and the beautiful bluegrass, even though it's not blue, it's there. And you, what, what they do in Kentucky farms for crops and for the soil, they spread manure. I love what they do in the Irish farms in Ireland. 
they don't spread manure. They spread slurry. That's what they call it. Spreading slurry. It's sort of like a new rap song that we could create instead of riding dirty. We got a lot of people spreading slurry. We have maybe finally as a group and people here, because of Jesus, we're no longer riding dirty. If we get pulled over, we know we're good. We're not riding dirty. There's no drugs in the car. But we are riding through the city and riding to work spreading slurry. And we got to remember what David said. Is there not a cause? And because there's the cause, we got to let our champion, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God, Spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus, get a hold of that space. See, the two armies are fighting over this space. Do you know one of the main sins that kept the people of Israel out of the promised land? Complaining. Complaining. They were allowing Satan and his kingdom to try to be champion in their life. Doubt and unbelief. But as Jesus followers, we now are partaker of the Holy Spirit who's called the spirit of faith. The spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. Listen, it's not just testifying what we see in the natural. An unbeliever can see what's happening in the natural. But the spirit of faith and the spirit of prophecy declares what Jesus can do. What Jesus wants to do. What Jesus has done in our life. And that's why our revelation says we overcome one of the ways we walk in consistent victory through the what? The word of our testimony. Remember Peter said, you want better days, friends? 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Here it is, verse 10. For he who would love life. That's what we're talking about in this series. And see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking evil. You say, well, Pastor Chad, I'm not cussing. Well, to God it is. Because they sent 12 spies into the promised land. And 10 of them did what we're talking about. They looked at the appearance of things. They said, the people in the land that God said He was going to give us, they're too big for us. They're like giants compared to us. They have an advantage of stature. We have a disadvantage. Only two came back and gave what Scripture calls testify of faith. And it called the other ten a wicked report, an evil report of unbelief. They didn't believe that God was able to use their disadvantage by His power to become advantage to defeat them. Do you know ultimately that Goliath's height and stature, what the world thought was an advantage, because all of the natural Israel could only see with natural eyes, and they thought his stature was an advantage, you understand in the end that became the disadvantage. Because if you're slinging a rock this big, yeah, and you're just trying to hit, you know, 
something this big, it's a lot harder. But you got someone with the biggest head you've ever seen, and you, you've seen some big heads. <laughs> I mean, you got someone with the forehead of all foreheads, chin of all chins. That, that, that so-called advantage comes a big disadvantage to a rock being hurled through the, the air. What did Paul say in Romans 10, 8? What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is what? The word of faith is what we preach. This is in a Saul's armor church. This isn't a Saul's armor church that just does what in the natural humans can do. This is a word of faith church that knows the need to get God's promise and declare it before you see it. That you got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And then Jesus saves you. Then Jesus delivers. You got it. To let Jesus and the spirit of faith be the champion of our tongue. We're not a Saul's armor church. See, the battle is the Lord's. Saul's armor represents what humans can do. Humans can create models to make it more attractive to the world. But then there's no power to truly bring them to repentance. Truly save, truly deliver. The battle is the Lord's, listen, but He uses the mouth of His anointed people to sling the stone of His Word. Did you know if you're in Christ, you're anointed? Because Christ means the anointed one. But for some of you, what you need to face is you need a greater measure of the anointing. That's why you're stuck. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, friend. You need what Saul's armor tried to convince and condition you growing up wasn't for today. You need what Saul's armor and the traditions of Saul churches and man's tradition try to tell you is no longer for today. That the power of God's not for today. That supernatural power on high. The gifts of the Spirit's not today. No, that's what we need today. Peter said, we're in the day where God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And sons and daughters will prophesy and dream dreams and see visions. You say, oh, but we have the established Word. We do have the established Word. But the Word do not tell you where the Lord wants to send you. The Word didn't tell Paul, go to Macedonia. It was a vision, a dream that told him. And we're not a soul church. We're not going to get to what God wants to do and, the, and that cause of God without the power and the baptism of His Holy Spirit. The battle is the Lord's, but He uses our mouth as His people to sling the stone of His Word. Yes, this Word, but the specific words of what He wants you to do. You can't find in here who to marry. You can find, if you're a believer, not to marry an unbeliever, but you can't find the witness of the Spirit of the person. You need a prophetic word. You need the voice of God to your situation. 
You have 10 job opportunities. You have multiple places you can move. You need His Word prophetically to your moment. You can't find that here. And if Goliath comes to you in that moment, what happens? We get fearful. We're like, I don't want to make a mistake. And when we stay in that fear long enough, Goliath never gets confronted. Promised lands never get experienced. And God loves you too much. He loves us too much for that. Remember, David was the youngest, but the three oldest followed Saul. The three oldest, you remember what their names meant? God is Father. My Father is willing. And astonishment that the Lord is there. But did you know what Jesse means? I possess. So Jesse means. Listen, I want to give you five smooth stones to put in the slingshot of your mouth for such a time as this in your life because there is a cause. Five smooth stones. The first is the name that prophetically in the story speaks to a substance that we can find in the new covenant. Jesus has made God my Father. That's putting a smooth stone. See, a smooth stone is easier to grasp, right? There's other types of stones that are hard to grasp and handle. Listen, you and I need five smooth stones for life to build upon. You don't need to know the deepest things of God in the beginning. and you got to first have smooth stones, things easy to grasp. These are foundational things, foundational teachings. The first is, Jesus has made God my Father. That's what Eliab. Of course, that's not how you pronounce it in the Hebrew, but it helps us in the English. That's what his name means. Second, Abednab, God my Father is willing to give me the victory. That's easy to grasp. It's a simple truth, but you've got to keep it in your mouth. No matter what you're facing and going through, God is my Father. And my Father is willing to give me the victory. Thirdly, Shemal was his name. So what we get from there is my Father is always with me. In all places and during all seasons of life. God is my Father. My Father is willing to deliver me. And my Father is always with me no matter what I'm going through and what I'm facing. Fourthly, my Father has forgiven me of my sins for His cause. You remember the Apostle John, he writes, 1 John, and he, as a spiritual doctor and elder of the elders, highlights characteristics of the stages of spiritual growth. And he says, I write to you children, for your sins are forgiven you. Watch this, for His name's sake. Because there's a cause, our Heavenly Father has forgiven us of all of our past, of all of our failures, of all of our stupidity, of all of our rebellion. 
And you've got to keep that smooth stone in your mouth. Don't allow the enemy to keep condemning you and paralyzing you because of your past. My Father has forgiven me. And at times you need that because there's people in your life you can't make forgive you. But God, my Father has forgiven me. And then fifthly, my Father in Christ has given me an inheritance of promises for my life. Because that's what Jesse meant, I possess. When you gave your life to Christ, in Christ you possess promises the Father had for you that are yes and amen. So God is my Father. My Father is willing to deliver me. My Father's always with me. My Father has forgiven me. My Father has given me an inheritance. Listen, those are smooth stones. Easy to grasp. But listen, they got to stay as a champion in your mouth. The Atlanta airport, I noticed the sign. It's, it said, pass it, a big sign, pass it on. Pass it on the foundation of a better life. Well, Christ is our foundation. And the foundational truths are smooth stones that we have to keep in our mouth, that we got to pass on to others who are new to the faith. We don't need to pass on to new believers. Nephilim and and the, the dimensions of the tabernacle. What we need them to keep the smooth stone as champion in their mouth that as they're growing and struggling and they just got saved and they're still dealing with the context of unbelievers in their house they live in and maybe friends that are rejecting them and temptations that God is my Father. God is willing to deliver me. God is always with me. It's amazing my... I'm reading through one of my great uncles eight generations back. His name was John Craig. He was best friends and and co-minister with John Knox. And God used John Knox and my great uncle John Craig for reformation in Scotland. And my great uncle was chosen by the crown to then establish for the revival and the reformed Kirk of Scotland, the catechism. Quick summary statements like smooth stones that they could give new believers and keep existing believers mindful and to remember. I was reading through that this week and I was so blown away because I'm reading... In, his, in the catechism, these smooth stones that Jesus alone is our righteousness. For there's no other way to be right with the Father than Jesus. Smooth stones. Smooth stones. Friend, listen to me. No matter how strong the dysfunction of your upbringing was, or curses that's been in your life, we see in this story, God's cause is bigger than any curse from your past. David said there is a cause, and the cause of God is bigger than any Goliath, any generational sin, addiction, poverty, rebellion. So listen, lastly, 
if drawing near to God means we mature in Christ, but drawing near to God often looks like drawing near to Goliath. What that means for many of you is, yes, I just reminded you of smooth stones to keep in your mouth, but you're not going to mature until you quit fearing it and face it. The smooth stones, those foundational truths will keep you grounded, but they won't transform and release you towards the ultimate cause God has for you in the kingdom until you no longer fear it and you face it. Face your Goliath. For some of you, listen, it's insecurity. The reason you're vulnerable to be empowered to spread slurry is because you're insecurity. And you got to face it because it's a Goliath empowering, spreading slurry. Fault finding in others to try to compensate and cover what you won't face in yourself of allowing the Spirit of God to cause you to experientially know the love of God. A love that Paul says in Ephesians 3 surpasses knowledge. Studying won't get it. You have to experience it. When I was reading through the catechism of my great uncle John Creek, I thought I was reading Lesson 7 in Foundation Phase, Acceptance in the Love of God. Because what he said is, is being secure and founded in the love of God opens you to all the other growth and graces of God. For some of you listening, sexual immorality. Given time in the church for many individuals to try to take what they've gotten and apply it. And so we've not hit it hard from the pulpit. But for some of you, it's sexual immorality. Listen to me. Until you face it, you're not going to see God's provision to quit it. When I was coming up, being growing in the Lord and maturing, it was every man's battle. Well, now they know and write the books. It's every woman's battle too. Listen to me, young people. It don't go away. Goliath would be on day 41 if it wasn't for David realizing. Do you know why David? Well, I'll get there in a minute. You got to face it. So five smooth stones I've left you with. I want to leave you lastly. Come on, Kobe. With three spiritual edges for the battle is the Lord's. Keep the smooth stones, the foundational truths as champion in your mouth. Watch this. But now you've got to turn and face whatever the Goliath is that will try to keep you from experiencing true life change, true transformation. And when you turn to the Goliath, you've got to understand there were three edges that Scripture highlights that David had. Three edges that he had and understood. The first one was the edge of the blood. You remember David testified because faith was in his heart and it came out of his mouth. He said, the Lord will deliver me. Right? 
the battle is the Lord's. But in the fact that the battle's the Lord's, He's given us weapons, He's given us edges. I was reminded this morning how Job spoke of the edges of his ways. And there's three edges, and each of the edge is deeply connected to one of the persons of God. One edge really reflects the Father's work, and one edge reflects the Son's work, and one edge reflects the Holy Spirit's work, the Godhead. There are three spiritual edges for the battle is the Lord. You know why it's spiritual edges? Because Saul's armor won't work. Education won't take down a Goliath. And education's fine. Some of us, we have to be educated to fulfill what God's called us to do. But listen to me. There are some Goliaths a doctor's hand can't heal. There's some, still some good doctors out there. You just got to pray and fast. Make sure you got one. But, but listen, their helpful, great hand can't heal emotional wounds. But the hand of your father who's willing to heal. You remember the leopard came? There's not a person in here that's been around the church that doubts that God's able. Where you get hit by the Goliath night and morning, day after day, is but he, is he willing to do it for me? Well, Jesus didn't just... Hold on, let's do it this way. Who's ever experienced physical or emotional healing here through Jesus by the Spirit of God? Look around, friends. Look around, friends. Look around. Because you know what that testifies to? The blood of Jesus was shed for all whosoever will. His stripes He took on His body was for whosoever would believe. Whosoever would allow the champion, Jesus, and the word of faith to get in their mouth. Who would allow their mouth to become a slingshot to testify to what God has done in the Son. The same blood that cleansed us is available to cleanse all. The same stripes that healed the people emotionally and physically hands is the same stripes that Jesus took to heal you. The edge of the blood, that's what the place where they were at, if he's down my means, the edge of the blood. Three spiritual apply the blood of Jesus over those areas where the devil tries to intimidate you. Bind you because the blood has redeemed us from the curse. Secondly, the edge of the anointing. Do you know why David was able to do what the others weren't do, able to do? I, I thought of this. I've never brought it out before. I've never heard people really highlight it when they fight over. Is, is David like representing something you and I could do? Or is he a type of Christ? All that. It's a both and, friends. The reason David could do that, it does represent us as a human. He could do it, though, because he was an anointed human. He wasn't operating in his own ability. He wasn't operating in Saul's armor. He showed up and he had already been anointed. You and I, part of the edge is the anointing. The lighting upon, the, the power and the light. God's manifest power and presence upon us. Listen, that's being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's the edge. It's the anointing. I'm telling you. That's why brothers and sisters that have that edge 
of God, that empowerment on their life. That's why you see God do more supernatural things in their sphere, in their life. Thirdly, the edge of the prophetic. You remember David's brothers in the army followed Saul. You know why that's a problem? Saul rejected the prophetic. Come on, man. Listen, he rejected the prophetic. And because he rejected the prophetic, he lost the ability to walk as king and reign. Listen, when when Saul rejected the prophetic, he reached out his hand and touched the prophet and he ripped the edge of the prophet's robe. See, Saul and Saul's armor represents you and I thinking we can depend upon the hand and ways of man to accomplish the cause of God. To accomplish the deliverance of God. And that's why David's brothers were servants of Saul. They knew how to do a lot of church activity. But they were following one and being modeled by one that rejected the prophetic. What is the prophetic? Listen, that's when the Word of God and the living Word, Jesus, enters in and speaks in the now to right where you're at and right what you're facing. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus now in your situation. And Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 7.23, You were bought with the price. Do not become slaves of men. But David's brothers became a slave, a servant of Saul. And that's why they didn't have a boldness out of this world when Goliath started speaking. But listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give it to you. It will give you a boldness. It will give you a boldness. That when you see the calls, and you see an opportunity for the calls, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you a boldness to step through the door. Open your mouth. See, the calls requires the blood, the anointing, and the prophetic. We're a church not seeking to make servants of Saul who despise prophecies. What did Paul say? When he wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 22, he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Do you know what all three, that threefold chord deals with? Who will be champion right there in the mouth? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Watch this. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every evil form. Brothers and sisters, we can't despise the prophetic. Because you and I can know that there's a cause and we can know that God is seeing people whose hearts are open and sensitive to Him. But you and I in the natural don't know who those people are. And if you despise the prophetic, you'll miss seeing the moments. But if you don't despise prophecy, you'll see prophetic encounters. You'll see prophetic encounters of how God orchestrates me to sit by a girl from Washington in a plane who've never heard the gospel. Who's raised by two professing and confessing atheists. And you see God orchestrate a prophetic moment, the power of God flowing on that aisle. 
We know how will they hear unless someone goes, but there's a lot of places we should go. How do you know that the go is to happen when you're in a supermarket this time? By the spirit of prophecy. That's why you can't despise prophetic. You can't despise the now encounter and leading of God. More can get done in a prophetic alignment time of God than you and I could ever in our own ability try to do. Come on, say, God's given me five smooth stones. Five easy truths to keep in my mouth in this season. That God's called us to be a church. To sling those smooth stones of foundation truths to everybody around. Christ alone can save. God sees, God cares, God's willing to deliver. And for many of you, it's time to face it. And God's got edges to help you deal with your Goliath. God has edges to help you deal with what the enemy's trying to keep you bound. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.